Hey, it's Scott Petrak with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. Baker Mayfield announced he was leaving social media. The Browns lost a top front office executive to the Vikings, and the conference championships are Sunday. Here to discuss everything with me is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. Hey, Chud. Hey, Scott. Good to be here. And uh, just quick plug here uh, for the morning show on Go. Um, next all this week, excuse me, we've been uh, taping some uh, segments, uh, not next week, but the week after. Austin Love and I are doing a uh, Winter Olympic showdown, three <laughs> events. We did curling the other day. Uh, we're taping this on Friday. Today, we're doing a hockey shootout over at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. So it's pretty cool. We're each doing a story on a charity that's close to our heart, and then we're going to raise money for those charities and go head to head for bragging rights as well. So uh, that will be not next week, but the week after. So we've been working on that. So I've been pretty uh, busy, but definitely worth it. So, uh, you know, got to get that plug in there. That's pretty cool. Um, I think my wife said she went curling as a kid somewhere on the east side. I've never been, but I love watching it. We could, did you get any good at it? Like, can you, could you figure it out? Yeah, we did. Thanks to Ryan over at Mayfield Curling Club. Uh, he was out, <clears throat> excuse me, got the frog here today. Um, <laughs> Got, got, yeah, it was Mayfield Curling Club, and he was outstanding teaching Austin and I. And uh, Austin and I went at it basically for uh, two ends, and uh, we didn't do any sweeping, really. We just did the, you know, pushing the rock. Yeah. It was a blast, man. Yeah, you know what? I actually, um, you know, we were able to do it a few times. You know, it, listen, we were definitely not mastering it, but um, it's going to be a pretty entertaining segment, I can tell you that. And uh, I would definitely recommend anyone that wants to get out to go over to Mayfield Curling Club and check it out. It is as much fun, maybe more probably, I would say, to play than to watch it. Because I know a lot of people love to watch it, but um, definitely a lot that goes into it mentally and physically. My uh, legs are still killing me from all the <laughs> squatting, getting in that position. So I uh, haven't done a lot of leg days lately. So that was uh, uh, definitely, you know... Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. So good sportsmanship. And then uh, beers afterwards. That's the key, man. Beers afterwards. That's pretty fun. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I get locked in during the Winter Olympics. Like, I mean, the, the matches, the Olympic matches take forever. Like, they take whatever, two or three hours, it feels like. And I can watch yep. the whole thing. Like, I get locked in um, during the Olympics. So that's pretty cool that you got to do that. And maybe I'll have to try it after I uh, watch the Olympics and get all excited for it. Yeah, that's what happens. People do that. There's always a lot of interest in it after the Olympics. Sure. But, so, uh, uh, and so also, tired of this snow, man. Oh, my gosh. I'm <laughs> yeah, tired of shoveling. I know. we don't. I don't even have to do that much shoveling, but I got out there again this week. It's bad, man. I'm not it's, – it's bad just so uh, my daughter can get out of the driveway and get to work. And stop, you know, we're working from home, so I'm not – my car's still got a bunch of snow on it because it sits in the driveway, but – had to at least shovel one, <laughs> shovel one, one exit way out of the driveway. But I know it's bad. It's I guess it's going to warm up next week a little bit, so that'd be nice. Well, on to what you were talking about before. Uh, let's start with the GM, uh, mm -hmm. new GM for the Vikings, right? The Browns getting some draft picks and uh, losing a front office member. Yeah, we'll start with the draft picks. You know, it's a new rule that it was November twenty twenty that. It rewards organizations for uh, developing minorities, whether it's in the front office or coach. If another team hires somebody away from your organization, a minority, um, the team gets two 
third round compensatory draft picks, one in each of the next two years. So the Browns will get, and it's you know, the compensatory picks. They, you know, they come from this, they come from free agents that you lose, you know, there's a whole complicated formula. So they're at the end of the third round. Um, so, you know, you're talking pick around hundred, 105, something like that. Um, but the Browns get one of those in this upcoming draft. And then again in 2023, um, but you also then lose, you know, a key member of your front office, right? Kwesi Adolfo Mensa was vice president of football operations. He was Andrew Barry's top Lieutenant. So the Browns will have to fill that void, whether it comes from internally, internally or externally or whatever, you know, a couple candidates internally, maybe Glenn Cook, who's also had a couple interviews for GM. Um, we know that Ryan Grigson, the former Colts GM, is on Andrew Barry's staff, um, or they could go outside. But it's interesting. The guy's got a great background. He, you know, got his bachelor's um, in economics from Ivy League, I'm pretty sure it's Princeton. And then worked on Wall Street for a while, then got his uh, master's in economics from Stanford, thought about being a professor, decided he wanted to go into sports and football, got a job with the Niners, 49ers, then the Browns hired him away a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, we talked to him once, he's a Cleveland media core, and he's really good to talk to. And then I watched his interview yesterday, his introductory news conference with the Minnesota uh, media. And, you know, just really a smart guy, obviously, likable. Um, people in Berea rave about this guy. So, you know, it sounds like a good hire for the Vikings. Um, it's a loss for the Browns, but they're excited, right? Andrew Barry's excited. He said he's beyond excited that he was able to, Quasey was able to take this next step in his career. And then the Browns get a couple of draft picks. So maybe it's a win-win for everybody, but it's certainly newsworthy. Um, you know, that you lose one of your top football execs. Yeah, good for him. Congratulations. And uh, like you said, it says a lot for the uh, Browns front office right now. So he moves on. So the other story is, and you say this all the time, that there's always something to talk about. We, you know, we say, we say that all the time. And this, is, this next comment I make is not a, a shot at Baker necessarily. Uh, I, I, I think this is a great move by him. Something probably should have done, um, you know, before. I know he's done it before or he's talked about doing it before whatever but uh I just the first reaction I have is I just think of all these great quarterbacks in the playoffs leading their teams to the possible championship hey he's going off social media yeah right uh -huh. yeah and it's interesting right you had all these guys playing at a crazy level and we'll touch on it a bit but just the, the high level of play last week especially in that Chiefs Bills game and yeah and then Baker comes out this week and says he's leaving social media um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, plenty of guy, plenty of quarterbacks and plenty of NFL players are on social media, right? But it doesn't get them in quote unquote trouble, right? Tom Brady is all over Instagram. You know, I check Instagram every morning when I wake up and there's usually some kind of Instagram story from Tom Brady, but you know, it's related to the TB12 or whatever, whatever he's got going on kind of from a business standpoint. Um, and obviously he's out of the playoffs now, but even during the season, you know, there's one or two a week. Um, but it feels different, right? There doesn't feel anything controversial about it. There's nothing confrontational about it. And that's not the case a lot of times with Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, just in the last, whatever, couple of weeks, there's been examples of him going after members of the local media. And it happened again Sunday. Um, and I didn't go after, but he reacted to 
um, a tweet by Dustin Fox of 92.3. Um, and, you know, you just wonder, is there really a need for that? And, you know, maybe I'm too old and Baker's 20 years younger than me. And maybe that's just what, you know, kids today do, but not everyone does, right? I don't see Patrick Mahomes having that kind of interaction on social media or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, right? So I don't think it is necessary. And I think it would be a good step if Baker actually listened, you know, actually stuck to this and stayed off for a while, or at least had um, a change of practice in how he uses social media, you know, and he, I think it was last week he tweeted because he, tw- he tweeted after the game Sunday. And then I think it was on Tuesday, late Tuesday night, he went on Instagram and said he was leaving social media. Um, but he said it was toxic, you know, and there's certainly a degree to that with social media, right? I mean, this is not breaking news. Um, so it, it's just interesting because, you know, does he bring a level of toxicity to it, right? Um, and how he handles that? Does he just read the criticism? You know, there's also a lot of love for Baker out there. Um, but you're probably better off, you know, they always say, hey, you don't read your press clippings. I think yeah. a lot of that goes for social media too, right? Just stay out of your mentions. Um, if you need to promote something, if you have a good cause you want to put out there, whatever it is, I think there's a way to use it without, I guess, getting caught up in that toxicity or um, engaging with, quote unquote, the haters. What did Dustin say on the tweet? I think it was something to the effect of watching the quarterbacks this weekend show that the Browns don't have what they need in a quarterback. Something to – I'll look it up for sure. But, you know, it was – you know, you watch Mahomes and Josh Allen, and you think if you're the Browns, is Baker Mayfield good enough, right? I mean, I don't think there's anything outlandish about that idea, right? And I would think if you're – you know, I think I got asked this on the radio the other day. If you're watching those games and you're Andrew Barry, does it go through your head, man, we need to get so much better at that position. And I think that's a, I think that's a, um, I, I think that's natural to wonder that because as a fan or as a writer, reporter, whatever, I think that goes through your head, man, can, can you see Baker, getting in this matchup, right? Can you see Baker going toe-to-toe with these guys? And it's tough to see that, right? I mean, it's tough to envision that. Not that he hasn't played at a high level at times. And not that he hasn't been in shootouts with Justin Herbert this year. But um, coming off the season that Baker played, it's just – it's a stretch, right? Especially when you talk at consistency level. Both those guys have either been MVP or considered, you know, were – in the, in the running for MVP, right? I think Josh Allen was MVP runner-up in 2020. And Baker's just never played at that level for an entire season. So, you know, if you're Andrew Barry and you're thinking about, okay, you know, what do we need to do to get to this level, right? What do we need to do to get to the Super Bowl? And you watch his quarterback play, I think it's only natural to think, can my quarterback do that? Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, uh, absolutely. And, you just look at the Bengals and Joe Burrow alone has gotten them to the final four in the NFL. Not alone. I don't want to say, cause I mean, sure. he's got sure. a lot of talent around him, but that's the difference of if you have an elite quarterback like Burrow as compared to, you know, a, lot, a handful of other guys in the NFL, that is, you know, he don't tell me Joe Burrow is not the, the reason right. to turn the tide. I mean, he just like, you got to give Baker credit. He turned 
the tide around from 0 and 16 and 1 and 15 to at least a team that's competitive, right? So you got to yeah. give Baker his due yeah. on that. Uh, so there's that that Baker did, but Burrow has taken it another step forward with the Bengals. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, they they made other changes, right? They draft, drafted Jamar Chase and they signed yeah. Hendrickson and they got better on defense. But for the jump that the Bengals made is because Joe Burrow's healthy this year, right? I mean, <laughs> I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty clear, and you see that throughout the league, right? And you can win other ways. It's just way harder to do. And especially when you look across the AFC and you look at Burrow and Allen and Mahomes, I think it's only natural to compare that to Baker Mayfield, especially, and maybe this isn't Baker's fault, but he was a number one overall pick, right? So that comes with expectations. And, you know, so Burrow was a number one pick. Mahomes and Allen weren't, right? They were top 10 picks. Um, So it's natural and it makes sense. And to compare those guys and you think, hey, can my quarterback do this? And can he do the same things? Can he make those throws? Can he escape pressure, right? And we saw that over and over in the Bills and Chiefs game. The fact that they could get out of trouble and still create plays. Um, And yeah, you've seen Baker do that to some degree, but not the same way, right? It just looks and feels differently or it looks and feels different. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, so, you know, so when Dustin tweets, do you folks see why what you have a quarterback just isn't good enough? That was a tweet, um, you know, and it's, that's a pointed tweet, right? It's not just like, Hey, these quarterbacks are better than Baker. Um, it's he's not good enough. Um, but when you look at how Baker played in 2021, it's tough to argue with that. Well, I'll tell you this, he's going to stay off social media. That's what he says, but the people around him need to as well. Cause it's hard for me to believe that, uh, you know other things won't be pointed out to him you know what i'm getting at people around him (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly right and i'm even skeptical of you know is he really off now just if he doesn't tweet and doesn't post to instagram i guess that's a good step or you know first step in the right direction um but part of that would also be not reading everything right so you know is he not looking through twitter is he not on instagram or is he just not posting, right? There, I think there's probably two levels to that. Um, but it's interesting. But, you know, I'm not faulting Baker for it because I think it's a solid move. I think it's probably the right thing. You know, he's got a really important offseason. He's got a long rehab in front of him from that shoulder surgery. And that's where his focus needs to be. And if he's going to be the guy, whether it's with the Browns or somebody else, if he's going to – you know, salvage might be too strong a word, but let's say it's salvage his career after a really difficult season. He's going to need to be at the top of his game physically and mentally. And it probably helps not to be distracted or bothered by social media. Last question on this before we get to the playoffs. You had mentioned it last week, you know, that, the hardest position in all of sport is quarterback or most stressful. You made a comment along those lines, something, Uh, but you know, in the NFL, New York, obviously with the media, Philadelphia, there's a lot of tough places with media and, you know, Cleveland's not as, you know, difficult when it comes to the media for these guys as a lot of other cities. But I will ask you this, where do you think the one through 32, where does the pressure of being the Browns quarterback fall in the NFL? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, and I think your premise is right about the media. Like, you know, Philly is a different media. New York's a different media. I think 
there's a lot of focus on the Browns in Cleveland. And I, I think that speaks to what you're getting at. And that raises the pressure. Um, you know, if you look at some of the other cities, you know, Jacksonville has like two people covering the, the Jaguars. Cincinnati has like two people covering the Bengals or a handful. Now it's, I'm sure it's more in the playoffs, but on a day-to-day basis, right? There's sites you can go to that aggregate all the NFL stories. And the Browns will have 20 or 30 stories every day from the media that cover the Browns, right? Including me. And you look at the Bengals and it'll be like two stories. Like it's, it's a huge difference. So while I don't think we are as harsh as some of the medias, some of the media, media, plural for medium, um, like Philly and New York, like you mentioned, probably Boston, you can include in that. Um, I would think that, I would think that the media spotlight is almost nearly as sharp or as intense from the Cleveland media, just from volume and the fact that the fans are so passionate about their team. So yeah, when you talk pressure, I I would put the New York teams higher. Um, I'd probably put Boston higher. I would certainly put Philly higher given just kind of, it's a, feels like a more negative, um, I don't know. It's just more negative in Philly, right? You know, that's just perception of their fans and of the media. Um, but like, I'm not sure LA, you know, I don't know if there's more pressure in LA because I don't know if all the, if people in LA care that much about their teams. Sure. Right. So I, you know, which off the top of my head, I might say top five. I mean, Chicago's probably in there. Um, Green Bay is a passionate top, market. But top, top 10 for sure. Yeah. Top, top 10, 10 for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Dallas, right. Dallas is an intense market. Um, you know, given the Cowboys spotlight, but yeah, I would think top 10 is safe. I would. Yeah. Wow. What a weekend last weekend. And I mean, it's Friday now, so, you know, I mean, it's been broken down, but obviously we're going to talk about it a little bit here, but I got to tell you, Hey, went six and oh in the first week and you know, there you go. I went one and three. I think you went, (laughs) did you go, did you go two and two or one and three? Um, one and three. Yeah. With especially, yeah. yeah. One and three that, and that's the thing, Sean, I don't, not to interrupt you, but you feel like, you know, if you get a game way wrong, it's okay. It's one thing. Um, but then, you know, like that Titans Bengals game, right. It, it, that last pick by Tannehill, the Titans might go win the game and they might cover. Right. Um, there's a big dropped interception that the Titans have. Obviously that Packers game, you know, before the one black play. run, it looks like they're going to cover yeah. and they're going to barely yeah. cover, but they're going to cover. And then the game switches on a heartbeat. And sure. then obviously that chart or the Chiefs, the Chiefs Bills game is a whole nother animal. Right. But if I believe like we're in all those games, even so, Tampa Bay, Tampa, sure, right. even right. Tampa Bay comes back. And after, uh, you know, Fournette scores that touchdown, I thought they were going to win. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I went from looking like an idiot picking Tampa Bay to thinking I was going to win it. And then bam, Cooper cup strikes. I, I, you know, it's unbelievable that both the chiefs and Rams were able to pull that off at the end. And those defenses let that happen, but you're right. I picked the Bengals game, right? I'm sitting there looking pretty. I'm like, Hey, I'm still rocking and rolling. I'm one and oh, and then the Packers are up. I think they're going to win in cover. I'm like, Hey, I am rocking two and oh, and then bam, that punt changed my entire weekend. And I end up one in three and everyone who picked these games, it could have gone either way in all four games. Right. Exactly. Which obviously I love talking about it. And I like the idea of, um, you know, who's going to win picking, who's going to win, but that's why I don't gamble a lot 
right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not that I never have. Yeah. Um, but that's that's why. Because these games are razor-thin margins that are flipped on one play, one call, one decision. And, you know, not to sound preachy, but that's why you can't bet what you can't afford to lose, right? Because you could have yeah. all the all the right information, all the right ideas, and it gets taken away from you by a black punt or what have you, right? All the examples that we could cite from the, from last weekend. Yeah. Well, I, I do. I think I told you I do this, you know, fun bet with my buddy, and we, we divide up all the teams in the NFL, and the goal is to get, you know, both teams in the Super Bowl, or if you just get one. Bottom line is you're trying to pick the winner, and it's amazing. You know, three of the top four seeds are out, right? So Packers, yeah. Titans, um, you know, I, I thought the Bills – well, my prediction was uh, – uh, Bills Packers and right. I think you were with me so they're both gone so so much for that uh, you know I think the only regret I have I, I stand by I feel pretty good about every decision I made and like you said I mean it could go either way I looking back at it there's I, I wish I didn't say there was no way the 49ers would win yeah. I didn't think they'd win but I forgot you know I love Debo and I and that team I should not have said that's my one regret because you forget, man, Rodgers and the Packers choke a lot in the playoffs. And I forgot about that. And I forgot to just give the Niners more respect. Yeah, I, I get, I'm with you. I mean, to me, that was, that would have been the game I bet the most money on, right? Or if I had to rank yeah, them, right. that would have been my yes. biggest confidence pick, right? We probably said that last week. Um, and then when the Packers score a touchdown on their first drive, you're thinking, all right, it's, it's playing out like I thought. <laughs> And then right. they couldn't do anything. And, you know, I, I love Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. I have plenty of issues with all the crazy stuff he says. Um, but I love him as a quarterback, and I always have. And I thought in the past that maybe got a little too much grief for not taking, not taking teams farther, right? It's not or further. It's not just the quarterback. Um, you know, they had that one game against, was it Seattle, where they – blew the onside kick that cost him a shot at the Super Bowl, right? Like things outside of his control. The defense hasn't always been good. But this year, none of that was the case. I mean, the special teams let him down. But all they had to do is score one more touchdown. And that game's over. And they had about 55 minutes to do it. And they couldn't score the one extra touchdown. Uh, You know, they had a black field goal. But, you know, that's that's on the quarterback to a a high degree. And when you – you know, I've been reading some stuff this week, looking at how the 49ers play defense. And I, Kurt Warner um, did a great breakdown of um, how the 49ers approach it defensively, but then some of the mistakes Rodgers made and some of the decisions, um, some of the bad decisions, you know, like trying to force the ball into coverage or not seeing this check down or whatever it is. And there's a blatant example on the last play. He tries to throw the deep post route to Devontae Adams on third long on their last possession. And he's got, um, I forget, I forget which receiver it is, um, cutting wide open underneath on a deep crossing route. And he should have seen him. And he's wide open. And the guy might run long enough to set up a field goal right there. If not, they're close and they still have time to go ahead and, you know, get in the field goal range for the winning field goal. And he just, he just makes the wrong decision. He tries to force the ball in the double coverage and he's got this guy coming underneath and there were more examples of that throughout the game. And yeah, is that the pressure of the moment? Is it when you get in a huge situation, do you just go to the guy that you trust the most 
Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones and kind of forget about reading, going through your reads, right? And you wouldn't think that an MVP quarterback would do that, but that happens. And Kurt Warner pointed out examples of it. So you're right. He just, Aaron Rodgers did not play at a high enough level in a big moment. And that stunned me, but it's probably something I should have kept in the back of my head when I was so confident that they were going to win. Yeah, no doubt. And my, my Tampa Bay philosophy was I'm going to pick Brady until he loses. And yeah. now he, now he lost, but boy, it, you don't tell me as you're watching that game, you're like, it's going to happen again. It's like, oh. it was unbelievable to watch the Rams melt down like that and allow him to have a chance. Exactly. I mean, first of all, the patience that he shows, right. To be down 27, three, which obviously sends you right back to the 28 to three Super Bowl deficit to the Falcons. Um, but the patience that he has, because there was plenty of stuff still going wrong, and he just kept scoring, right? Kept scoring. And then the number of huge mistakes that the Rams made, right? The fumble at the end of the first half when they're going in to score. Uh, Cups fumble. They get a fumble, and it looks like the game's over, right? I'm thinking, okay, the game's over. And then they snap the ball by Stafford's head, and that gives the Buccaneers another chance, right? Like all these huge mistakes – that the Rams made, and yet they make the one play at the end because the Buccaneers get too aggressive uh, with that one call. You know, we saw it with that call that allows Cooper Cup to get down the seam against the safety, and Stafford makes a great throw, but it's still a bad defensive decision, right? The Rams have no timeouts, and we're in the final 30 seconds. And then you flip forward to the Chiefs-Bills game, and 13 seconds shouldn't have been enough time period. And we could have the argument, should they have squib kicked? Should they have kicked, you know, let them return a kick to burn time, whatever. The fact is 13 seconds shouldn't be enough time. And the bills just didn't play the coverage well enough. I know that they were worried about a deep touchdown, but you, you just can't let Tyree kill. And then Travis Kelsey yeah. run down the seam to pick yep. up 20 yards a piece. Right? It, I mean, it was it was unbelievable to watch. I could yeah. not believe my eyes. I, right? I'm glad you brought up the squib kick. I was going to bring that up, but you're right. Uh, that you know, if they do the squib kick and it doesn't get returned for a touchdown, you figure game over. Um, but you're right. 13 seconds. You wouldn't imagine that would happen. No, and you know, <laughs> I, 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 sorry, just a squib kick because you know there's a bunch of different thoughts there. Like a squib kick could have been fielded at the 35, and the guy takes a knee, and the Bills lose 10 yards and no time runs off the clock, right? There's some gamble to squib kicking. True. So, you know, you could argue that you could kick it to the two and make them return it, right? And then you guarantee to burn time. Now, if you're Sean McDermott, the coach, you probably think, hey, I trust my defense more than I trust my kicking game, right? I don't want to lose this game on a kickoff return for a touchdown. I'm sure that's the philosophy. But if that's your philosophy, then you have to have the right defensive calls. So I don't kill him necessarily for kicking it a touchback, right? And you say, hey, I'm going to trust my defense. All we got to do is not let him get 40 yards. But then you have to have the right situational game, you know, situational defensive calls. And they did not have those. Boy, it's tough to be a Browns fan with, you know, what we've had to go through. But, boy, the Bills, Bills oh. fans, my goodness, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, that's – you. I mean, Tony Romo and Jim Nance weren't even talking about the fact that the Chiefs could win the game, right? Like, it was the Bills had won the game. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, hey, there's still 13 seconds, right? That shouldn't be enough time, but there is still 13 seconds. Um, but you know everyone in Buffalo 
was celebrating, right? I mean, yeah, the, the, right. The, the thought is the game is over. Josh Allen just played the unbelievable, the most unbelievable fourth quarter, and to have that yep. snatched away, um, there's no way they're over it right now, right? If you're, I mean, I don't know when you get over that loss. Ah, oh, brutal, brutal. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's. You ready to make pick yeah. for these two games? Sure. So I don't really have a. I mean, I I usually, you know, pay more more attention during the week. This has been uh, a busy week at work, so I like I I haven't really analyzed each game down to a T. So I'm I'm gonna go with. Uh, so help me out. Is there any like major injury that like is D- Debo's good to go? Right? Do you know? Yeah. Is there any major injury that I may have missed? No, I, th- I the last thing I saw was that the Chiefs think Teron Ma- Matthew is going to play. He's still yeah, in touch okay. protocol, but he practiced. And that's a big – that's big for them, right, especially going against Burrow and that offense. You need – you know, you need Matthew back there. So, that's big. But I don't think there's another key guy. I think Trent Williams is supposed to play for the Niners, I think, at left tackle. Um, he was a little banged up with that ankle, but – I think most, I think all the teams are pretty healthy. All right. So we got uh, chiefs minus seven. I think it's pretty much been around there all yeah. week and Rams minus three and a half. So that's kind of, you know, you're giving the home team that that seems about right there. And the Niners have beaten them both times this year. Have they beaten them like six times in a row yes. or something like that? Yes. Yeah. So, and uh, I will say this, I am not going to say now, while I think that the Rams chiefs makes sense because you're going with the home teams and the favorites right i am definitely not going to say there's a guarantee this week after watching last week like it's hard i would never go and put money on the bengals straight up to win this game right i mean it's hard to imagine the bengals going in there and winning in a playoff game right with because the chiefs are rolling right now i mean i think most people would say hey the chiefs are going to win the super bowl they're the hottest team they they look like they're back right but Let's be honest, Scott, when we talk next week, I wouldn't sit here and say, I can't believe the Bengals won. I mean, don't count Burrow out. I mean, it could happen. I guess what I'm saying is, while I think the Chiefs are going to win the game, you know, it's not a layup necessarily. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, first of all, there's a chance for a letdown, right? I mean, I know it's to go to the Super Bowl, but the Chiefs played at such a high level to win that game. and it felt like a game that won for the ages, right? Instant classic, all that. So if they came out and had a bit of a letdown, maybe didn't score early or just had a hard time maybe getting up back to that emotional level that you need to play at, to me that feels possible, right? Not that they won't get there at some point, but, you know, if it takes them a while to get into get into it, I can see that. Um also, we only have to go back to week 17 to see the Chiefs lose to the Bengals, right? They led, and then they only scored three. They played great in the first half, had a big lead. That was the game that the Browns needed the Chiefs to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. And then the Bengals held the Chiefs at three points in the second half. Yeah, it was in Cincinnati. Yes, it wasn't for a trip to the Super Bowl. But it's no stretch to say that Joe Burrow in that Bengals offense can score a ton of points against the Chiefs. And that might be enough to win the game. So I, I'm with you. And I, I'll tell you this. I was surprised. You know, I like to try to, okay, what's the line going to be? I had the line at four and a half, five and a half. I did not think it was going to open at seven like it did. Yeah, it's a good point, which uh, that, that's a 
that's a huge line. I mean, that, but well, that's what makes it tough because you're, you're going to see, you're probably going to see a lot of people take the seven points. Cause that's, yeah. I mean, yeah. that is, that's a, a massive amount of points in a playoff game. So uh, you want to go first or you want me to go? Um, uh, I can go. I can go. So you want, let's do that game first. I think that's the first game. Um, yeah. You, you can do that one first and I'll do the NFC game first. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I, I think the chiefs win. Um, I, I think they win because it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Kelsey and it's Hill and it's in Kansas city. And um, obviously they've proven they can go to the Super Bowl like they've done the last few years. Um, but I think I would take the, I would take the points. So I, I think Cincinnati can score what, you know, you talk about those backdoor covers or whatever. Um, yeah. Do I think there's a chance that Kansas city could be up 17 and then the Bengals score two late touchdowns to make it, a three-point game or a six-point game or whatever it is. Yeah, I think that can happen. I think Joe Burrow is going to continue to um, move the ball and score points as long as there's time on the clock. Now, the only caveat is if the Chiefs can pressure the heck out of him, and obviously Tennessee did that and held him to whatever it was, 16 or 19 points, that's a big concern. And the Chiefs have pass rush, and they have Chris Jones, and they have Frank Clark, and they have um, Melvin Ingram has been a huge addition and was in Josh Allen's face all day, although Josh Allen got away plenty of time. And Joe Burrow's got good pocket awareness, but he's not the athlete that Josh Allen is. So that concerns me. Um, but I, but for the reasons I mentioned earlier, for the fact that it's hard to go to a Super Bowl three straight years, um, I would take the points, but I think Kansas City wins a close one. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to say Kansas City wins, and I'll take the points. Although, it's, it's the offensive line on the Bengals that is definitely a concern, although Burrow has, you know, he's overcome it. But I think the only thing that would surprise me would, well, a Bengals blowout would really surprise oh, yeah. me. A Chiefs blowout would semi-surprise me. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised though if the Chiefs cover. I mean, you know, if yeah. they win by fourteen or ten, that wouldn't shock me. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the points as well. And again, not, not shocked if the Bengals win, but I, I don't think it's gonna happen. But it, 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 it certainly is out there. And uh, I'll go with you and say Chiefs win, but I'll take the points. So, on to the NFC game. I, you know, the Rams are hot. There's no doubt about it. They are hot. They almost blow it, but still, uh, Stafford's getting it done. Uh, but I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not taking both favorites. I'm taking the Niners to win. Uh-huh. They beat them six times in a row. They've beaten them both times this year. So you would think that it would be the Rams are, are going to turn it and finally yeah. beat them. It's hard to beat a team three times in a year, but I'm definitely taking the points. I'm going to go upset because I just. This is one of those stories. I think we saw the Steelers do it that one year where you go on the road and win three times. Yeah. Hey, I think the Niners are going to do it. Let's go Niners Chiefs Super Bowl. Wow. All right. I could definitely see that. I, I think the coaching matchup is fantastic, right? Two guys that used to work together, McVay and Shanahan, two of the smarter coaches in the league. Um, I get everything you're saying. I'm, I'm going to pick the Rams, but I'm also concerned about the crowd because everybody in LA is like the, the players wives are trying to tell people not to sell their tickets, but there's going to be a ton of 49ers fans. I saw something that 
they're expecting more 49ers fans than Rams fans, even though the game's yeah. in LA. Um, so, you know, that's got to be a boost to the Niners to see that, to go on the road and see your fans like that. But I just, I think they're due. I think the Rams are due to break this streak against the Niners. I think you're going to go back to week 18 and the Rams had a late lead that they blew, which against the Niners, which means that, you know, they know that they can take a lead. They know that they can control a game. Now, obviously it doesn't, quarterback matchup is not everything. And we saw that as Thursday in Green Bay a week ago. But I like Matthew Stafford more than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Stafford's playing at a high level. He's playing with a lot of confidence. Um, you, I, doubt, I just, you doubt the Garoppolo. I do. I do. <laughs> All the guy does is win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they, I know, I know he doesn't win, but he didn't make a whole lot of plays. In, he didn't make a whole lot of plays in Green Bay, right? Um, well, but either, either did Aaron Rodgers. It was I know, cool. But, I know. <laughs> I know. But I mean, I'm know, just saying. Three, I know they scored like six points on offense. Um, but I know, but he won the game, and there's a there's a lot to like about him as a leader and as a guy. Um, I just like Matthew Stafford better, and. I think I think the Rams are better. Not that the 49ers aren't talented, right? They have a good defensive line. They have Kittle, they have Debo, um, they have Trent Williams. But it's a, you know, and maybe it's a collection of stars, but you know, you look across at Rams and it's Donald and it's Von Miller and it's Jalen Ramsey and it's Cup and it's OBJ. Like they got a bunch of it's acres. They got a bunch of players on that Rams team. So I, I'm gonna take the Rams, I'm gonna take them to cover. And I think we have, you know, Rams Chiefs, which should be a good game. Should be a really good game. Yeah, I just don't want an LA team in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think well, it'd be another home really... game, right? I mean, it's a, it's <laughs> yeah. back to back in Sophie, we had the nobody had ever done it. We had Tampa last year, um, and it'll be the Rams again this year. So I wouldn't be stunned yeah. if the Niners won, um, but I do think the Rams. I think the Rams are a better team now. If the Niners can run it for two hundred and twenty yards then they got a real good chance to win a game, right? You can you control the pass rush of Miller and Donald. Uh, you take the ball out of Stafford's hands. Like, that's their recipe, and we've seen it time and time again. Um, and maybe, it, you know, teams that play each other so often, right, division rivals, sometimes you see a lot of ugly games, you know? And if it's 17-14, that certainly suits the 49ers, and it suits if you're getting three and a half. Um but, but I like the Rams in this game. All right. That's it for me. I got to go. Chad, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the time. Um, I don't know if we'll do this next week, but we'll definitely check in before the Super Bowl and give our Super Bowl picks. Um, thank you for your time, Chud. Good luck on the hockey. In, <laughs> good luck, good yeah. luck on the ice for the hockey shootout. Thank you. And uh, everybody, thanks again for listening. This has been another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. And you can read all my work at brownzone.com. Thanks a lot.